Welcome to the Business Addicts Podcast, where the stakes are high, talk is cheap, and results are on the other side of commitment. Hosted by a former addict, myself. And I'm his wife, Jamie. We uncover addicts' mindsets, showing that the talents you've created in your struggle will be the superpowers you leverage to heal your deepest wounds. Listen to former addicts share stories of how they've flipped the switch, including insights into how much we can believe in ourselves. For those of you affected by addiction, we support your desire to help the addict in your life by raising the stakes and creating emotional barriers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Business Addicts Podcast. Today, we have a special interview, just like every single one of them. Today, we have got Scott Paget. Is that how you say your last name? Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the French pronunciation is Paget, but we go uh, by Paget. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Even better. Yep. I have no experience with any accents, and I was told never to try. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so today we're going to go back and start Scott's story. He's a recovered addict, and he's got some interesting stuff to share with us and just encourage everyone and that has an addiction issue. He's got a great story to, to help us have hope along that, that journey. So Scott, let's start with where you came from, you know, how you growing up, all of us addicts have something. Uh, what is your story as a child going? Yeah, into- absolutely. It definitely, you know, I think it all definitely starts, starts there. But first off, I'll say I'm in, you know, long-term recovery. This is my, tw- I'm in my 21st year of recovery. I got sober, clean and sober in 2001. And uh, I am one of the fortunate ones that was a was a first time first time winner. You know, I didn't. I was done. <laughs> I was yeah. done then, and, and uh, so I've been able to maintain. You know, throughout. And uh, so good for you. I grew up. Uh, my family's originally from Massachusetts, but I moved to Florida. Uh, I grew up in Miami, and uh, I moved to Florida. I was very young, three. And actually, where I grew up in Miami is I grew up right outside, right over the Biscayne Bay. I grew up in a very, very, you know, the word, it's a, I could use a million different words. It's almost, it was a very strange place. To, it, it, it was almost because right over the bridge was downtown Miami, but we grew up in a little, I grew up in a little four mile island called Key Biscayne. And basically it's a, it was a tropical paradise. You know, it's a, a, at that time, maybe it was about 10,000 residents. It's grown today, maybe 12, 13, 14,000. And today it's, it's, you know, become, you know, a, a place to live where you have to be, you know, quite, quite financially doing well, you know, because it's a tiny little island. It's beautiful. It's a trop, you know, it's gorgeous. But at that time, and I grew up in the seventies and the eighties, you know, you could still, you know, still be a middle-class family and grow up there, but an amazing place to grow up, you know, one elementary school, you know, tremendous sports. You know, I'm still best friends with the kids I went to kindergarten with, you know, you know, best man in their wedding. You know, my good friends are the guy, kids I've known my whole life. And then on, my, on the flip side, my parents were, were divorced very on, uh, early on when I was seven. And there's definitely some, some issues there. My, my parents were married, you know, high school sweethearts. They had me when they're, my dad was a senior in college. And my dad was a, a football player up in uh, Lehigh, you know, which is a college in Pennsylvania. And then we moved to Florida. And, uh, you know, early on growing up in, 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 in the place I grew up, you know, wasn't, wasn't a place where I grew up amongst, you know, uh, tough guy, you know, gangsters and, and, and that type of, you know, guys hanging out on the street. But I grew up around a lot of big time tough guys, athletes, guys that went on to become some professional athletes. And that's kind of what I aspired to. 
you know, that's the person I wanted to be. I wanted to be that big, mean, tough guy that, you know, you walked into a room and people feared. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like that. You know, I was, I was an athlete, but I was never, you know, I was always, you know, a little guy, skinny guy. I think I weighed about 150 pounds when I graduated high school as a high school baseball player. But that's kind of what I, what I, what I thought, you know, I thought a man was supposed to be. And that's what my dad was. You know, my dad was this big, you know, college football star, you know, real handsome guy. He moved to Florida and, you know, he was like a, uh, he still is, you know, he was like a, a local, you know, legend here in Florida, uh, like a Playboy legend. You know, my father, I have, you know, there's six kids in our family. My dad has, uh, you know, we have four, four different, four different, they have four different mothers, you know, so I have, I have one, one full sister and, and four, you know, half siblings. And uh, actually my father's 74, he's got an 11 year old daughter. So that kind of shows, you know, so, you know, that all played a role, you know, um, you know, I was, you know, five years old and, you know, I'd spend time with him and, you know, I mean, literally would, you know, would bring me to his girlfriend's houses, put me on the, on the, on the table, give me a, you know, bowl of cereal while he, you know, be in the back with his, with his girlfriend. And then we'd come home, you know, to my mother and he'd say, Hey, you know, tell your mom we're at the beach, you know, I'm five years old. And here I am, you know, you know, mom, yeah, we're at the beach, you know, and then, you know, another time I say, well, you know, well, what, dad, why were you laying on top of that girl? You know, and he'd be like, oh, he's crazy. You know, he's just don't listen to him. So, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, again, this was, you know, the early seventies, you know, it was a different lifestyle. They were very young. You know, they had me when they were 22 and, uh, and, you know, here I am, you know, it was like a little kid. They got divorced when I was seven, but at that time it's amazing. You know, I look back on it now, I have, you know, I don't have any children. I have nieces and nephews that are young. You know, I started smoking marijuana when I was 10 years old. You know, I started smoking cigarettes, at, at, you know, at, at five or six. I used to go up in the summer times in Massachusetts and my aunt would have a, a you know, an ashtray. And I would sneak down into the basement, take out a marble at, you know, five or six years old and try, you know, take a hit off a marble, you know, marble red. And those, you know, it would knock me off, knock me down. And, I, and I'm just looking at that as, you know, what, what type of, you know, what, why, you know, why would that happen? You know, what's, what's the cause of that? You know, it's, and there's, you know, obviously there's so many different reasons, but that was kind of how, I, you know, I, obviously I, you know, knowing that, you know, that's not some normal behavior, you know, a child shouldn't be doing that. So, you know, my father left, he moved out and, you know, the relationship we had was just basically, you know, sports and women. That was the only way we connected. You know, I was kind of, I was kind of meant to be a, you know, a, an athlete and kind of was meant to, to go on and become a, you know, as, as, as much of an athlete as possible. And after high school, I, I stopped, you know, I, I gave up baseball. I had a college scholarship, but I didn't, you know, I, I let it go and didn't want to play anymore. But the drugs, you know, so like I said, I started using smoking marijuana at 10 years old. And, and I look at my little niece now and I'm like, you know, if I thought she was smoking, you know, I don't know what I would do. I would just, you know, cause she's just a little kid and, and it progressed, you know, and, and now we're talking 1980s in Miami which is, you think 1980s, I'm sure you probably remember the TV show Miami Vice, you know, that's literally what it was, you know, it was the cocaine cowboys, there was, you know, so many South Americans were, were here from Miami, you know, I grew up in a, in a melting pot of cultures, you know, from kids from every country, from South America, Central America, and now what's, what's you know, cocaine was everywhere, so by the time I was 12, I was using cocaine, you know, a 12-year-old kid, I remember using cocaine and going to a Little League baseball game, and here I, you know, it just not even knowing what the feeling was supposed to be, but just knowing, you know, that this, this is something that's just not, you know, like I said, it's not, not normal. You know, you know, you shouldn't be doing 12 years old, shouldn't be doing cocaine and going to a little league baseball game. 
That's just not, you know, I look back on that as insanity. And, you know, that continued. And I you know, and, and I go back to the, to that beginning, you know, about what I aspired to be. And I knew that wasn't me. You know, I'm a very, you know, introverted kid. I mean, people that know me, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, very humble, not, you know, and, and was, like I said, it was an undersized. So I never was that big, tough guy, but that's what I wanted to be. And I saw, you know, I saw the kids, you know, the, the older kids, you know, using drugs and, I, and anything that I could get to that level, you know, I was going to do. You know, later on after high school, I got heavy into lifting weights. You know, I thought that's another way to do it. Build my body, get big, get, get as big, as strong as possible. And of course, you know, the, 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 the drug use stayed there. You know, it was always something that was on my shoulder and the cocaine continued. You know, I, I, I went to college, you know, it took me a lot longer to graduate than usual, but I did graduate. And, but the drug use was still there. It wasn't, it was never at that time, never a daily use, but it was still, you know, a Thursday, Friday, you know, a weekend warrior, someone that would go out and blow it out still with the cocaine, still with the marijuana, the alcohol, now incorporating pills, you know, Valiums, painkillers, and then moving in. Then ecstasy came in, you know, in the late 80s and the early 90s, and that was huge down here. And then on top of that, building my body, what did I do? You know, I started using steroids. So now, you know, as I said, I was 155, 50, you know, maybe 160 pounds at the age of, of 17. Four or five years later, I'm almost 100 pounds heavier. You know, now I'm like 260, 270 pounds, you know, and now I'm this big, you know, monster. And what did I do? I finally achieved that goal that I wanted to be the big, crazy, tough guy that walked into a room. But all I did was just make myself a, you know, a cartoon character. You know, I just created this persona. You know, I started, you know, I was working in the nightclubs, you know, and even I even, you know, people would give me a nickname, you know, Scotty the Body, you know, and that became my identity, you know, and that's what I was doing. You know, I was living this lifestyle of drugs, you know, nightclubs, girls, the beach and, you know, and, you know, not being, you know, in Florida, you can get caught up in that pretty quickly. And all of a sudden, you know, 10 years go by and. You know, what are you doing? You've been hanging out at the gym, at the, you know, at the, at the nightclub and at the beach. Yeah, and I, this is the second time we talked. And what I feel from you is is very much, yeah, a different persona, like someone that's really done a lot of work that's comfortable with himself today. And so going back into that, those early days, like I'm sure you've worked through some of those reasons why that was there. Like everyone around you was big and was an athlete, like you said earlier. Uh, your dad was very focused on and wanting you to be an athlete, that kind of thing. So that was all either consciously or subconsciously driving you to be what you thought would be accepted by the people around you. Is that all sound right? Absolutely. And, 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 and I also, too, have a big belief, and I, I'm sure you know we could probably go into scientific data, but there's also, too, you know, physiologically – you know, someone will drink a beer and be like, oh, that's the worst thing I ever tasted. I hate the feeling. And, and the same with drugs. You know, someone will smoke a joint or someone will do cocaine. And that was, was a big thing for me. You know, I know many people that try cocaine. And they're like, oh, that's horrible. I'll ne I hated it. But for me, the first time I did cocaine, it was I got that feeling like, you know, this, you know, because it, it just, it, it, you know, like I said, I was, you know, introvert. I was kind of a quiet kid, you know, I, you know, around my friends, I'd be a jokester. But in a, in a large group, in a new setting, I was definitely very reserved. But that would bring me out. It would make me, you know, it, it would make me the life of the party. 
and you know I think that obviously played a big role as as well you know because my body my body just it, it absorbed it it loved it you know it loved that feeling I loved that you know it brought me out of my shell and it made me even feel even more indestructible even more of a you know a maniac you know and that was kind of also my persona like we'd go out at night and everyone kind of be looking at me like what's he going to do tonight you know is he going to get into a fight tonight is he going to you know you know and that's the type of personality I have I'm I'm very reserved very quiet and all of a sudden you know explosion. And uh, so that was, everyone was always going, oh, Lord, yeah, you know, we got to keep an eye on him. You know, is he going to start swinging tonight? You know, so that's always my joke about drinking. You know, people, you don't drink? I said, no, I don't drink. I'm, I'm not a good drinker. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they're, um, so there was so, a part of you that was like subverted as you're growing up. Like you are someone that's to a place now where you're helping other people. Obviously, we'll get to that later. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but like, there was a part of you that you wanted to let out maybe even as a person. Yeah, but you didn't. exactly. And that all goes into that persona. Like I remember being maybe like an eighth or ninth grade and we, we went to a high school party, you know, so obviously, you know, we're at a bunch of, young, you know, junior high, maybe I was maybe junior high or a freshman, you know, very young still, you know, this is a big high school party with, you know, older kids. And so we you know, kind of obviously staying out of the way, you know, but I remember a fight broke out with like these two, two local you know, big legends at, at their high schools, two different high schools. And these were just two big, tough, mean guys. And they got into a big high school fight. And like the whole, you know, there was probably a hundred people watching. It was like something out of the movie. And I just remember sitting there going like, I thought it was the greatest, you know, I wanted to be one of those guys, you know, and here I am, you know, 13, 14 years old. I probably weighed 92 pounds. You know, the guy, you know, one of those guys could have snapped me in half in, in, in a second. But I'm like, you know, one day that's, you know, that's what I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to be that guy where everyone was going, you know, thinking he was the toughest guy at, at, at the party, you know, which is insane, you know, which is insanity. You, know, you look back on it, you know, because like I thought that's what a man was supposed to be. A man was supposed to be the guy that went out and was tough and mean and, and, and was dating as many women as possible when it's the complete opposite. You know, a real man is a guy that goes, gets up and goes to work every day, pays his bills, takes care of his family, comes home to his wife every night or his girlfriend or, you know, whoever feeds his kids, you know, that's what a man is, you know, keeps his word, keeps his, you know, what he does, what he says he's going to do, you know, not a guy who says, you know, uh, you know, I'm coming home tonight, doesn't come home for two days, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's, you know, just, you know, you're stinking thinking, you know, you're just, you know, and, and it, you know, obviously it's, you know, unfortunately some people obviously never get it. Some people get it a lot later than others, you know, which I did. It took, you know, for me to, you know, we'll get into the rest of my story, you know, obviously later, you know, to get got into me to, to, to losing, you know, a, a, you know, a large portion of my life to, you know, to, to, to work on myself. Like, you know, we talked about, you know, and, and to just to realize, you know, just how, how, how wrong your thinking was. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's go. Let's go there, Scott. What's, yeah. how did, how, where did this all culminate? Yeah. Where, where, where and, did and it lead you? And we'll go back to, you know, to, to, you know, to the drug use where I was, you know, still, you know, Thursday, still a, a weekend warrior type of guy finishing my last years in college that I, pro, like I said, I prolonged, you know, a four year degree took me about seven and a half years to obtain. Then, and, and amazingly, right after that, you know, I, I got a, a tremendous job. First job out of college was, you know, guys were looking at me like, you know, you're kidding me. The first job you go to, you get. You know, I got a job in commercial real estate, which down here in in my in Florida, you know, usually you're you're going on a commission base right away. I got a salary plus commission right off the. You know, people are telling me like you landed a dream job, but this whole time in my first year working there, you know, it's about a mile from the beach. You know, I'd be looking out the window, you know, staring. You know, you actually from one of the offices, you could see actually the the water. You know, so I'd be sitting in the office going, 
you know, I should be at the beach, you know, instead of, uh, you know, learning when I was supposed to, you know, to, to, you know, to, to learn and still doing the, you know, the Friday, Saturday nights going out, and, you know, partying all weekend, you know, and after a year of that, what did I do? I said, you know what? I quit. I walked away. I said, I'm going to, you know, so what I, I went back to what I always knew, the nightclub, you know, so I got back into the nightclub scene and now I'm working at, you know, at, uh, actually, you know, adult nightclubs, strip, strip clubs. And here I am now, now I'm working in a club where, you know, wh who are the people that come to clubs? Drug dealers, half of them. So now I'm working at a place where I can use drugs all night, date girls, go to the beach during the day. And then it just became, now it's, you're just, now it's a, it turns into a daily use. So now I'm using drugs during the day at work, after work, sleeping, you know, maybe a little bit and then repeating the process again. And so now I'm in, you know, 26, 27, 28. And now that you're, you know, now I'm just a full, you know, full blown daily, you know, addict. And it just went horrific. You know, the cocaine now went to injecting cocaine, you know, and that is, you know, the, the only way I, I, the way I explain that is if you're sniffing cocaine, it's like riding a tricycle. If you're injecting cocaine, it's like taking off on the space shuttle. There's just no different, you know, it's just, it's, you know, completely different. And once you start doing that, you don't stop, you don't go back to the other way and just things just deteriorated rapidly. You know, you just, you're, you, there's no way. I mean, there's just, at, at that point, the old, you know, you've, you've heard the same, you know, the saying, you know, uh, jails, institutions are death. And that's what happened to me. I basically have had all three because I've been a respiratory failure. My last night of using drugs, I was a respiratory failure. You know, so I was almost dead. And then, you know, working in the nightclubs, you know, you end up meeting people that, you know, are up to, you know, up to no good. And I put myself around some people that were definitely up to no good. And eventually that led me to New York. And I was with a, I was with a man in New York and he uh, shot and killed somebody. And I was there and I was almost just about a year and a half later, I was arrested for it. Uh, pleaded guilty and stood up, you know, stood up in the court, looked the family, you know, right in the eye and, and told them, you know, just the same feeling I feel today that, if, you know, there's, there's, you know, if there was any way in the, in the world, you know, that I could bring their son back and let me take his place, I would in a second. You know, that's the only thing that, you know, that, that, I, that I feel every day and I, you know, I'll feel that for the rest of my life. So I pled guilty. I was, I was convicted of second degree murder for being there. And so you were, you didn't 18 years to life and I, I served 17 and a half years. So as a layman, um, or like just someone that doesn't understand some of the laws and the crime stuff, maybe you could speak to some of us that maybe don't even sure. know the basics. So if you're there, it's not like you doesn't sound like you helped with the crime. No, no. If you're, if you're there and knowing what is going on, you're you don't stop it. Yeah, um, you're just as culpable. Yep, yep. Well, Interesting. Because you, know, you because you didn't stop it, correct? Right. Um, yet, a, yet another way reason why you want to be present in your life. Yes, and you know, and again, you know, you you talk about addiction, and, and I think you mentioned it early too about accountability. You know, and that's that, that that's you know one of the most the greatest things that that you can you can go through is being accountable for your whole entire life not just bits and pieces you know you've got to be accountable for every single for every single step along the way 
and you know and i and that was something that i was able to do and it's almost like a freeing experience because there's some people that go through their whole lives and never never take accountability for their lives they're blaming everybody you know my second grade teacher did this this guy did this you know and and in my case there's a million different people you know that that, you know i you know i could have sat there and tried to you know put blame on but there's only one person and it's me you know i look at that person every day and i'm like you know you're accountable for your actions for every one of them you know you can't point you know point the finger at this guy this guy turned you know turns you in i was there so you know i I am guilty you know and i could sit you know you could still sit there and point you know it was the drugs that did this you know and it's that's a part of the story definitely and that has to you know that's part of the story but it's not the blame you know the blame is no matter if i was under the influence or not i still made a decision it's not a mistake mistake is when you, you spill milk you know it's a decision it's a conscious decision whether you're under the influence or not and i place myself there and that's why you know i stood up and took my time you know i stood up and said you know as a man and said you know I was, you know, I made the worst decision any person can make in their entire life. And, uh, you know, I did my time. You know, I, I, I became a sign language interpreter when I was incarcerated for six years. I worked with the deaf inmates and uh, and tried to do everything possible. I, I became a facilitator. There's a, a group called AVP, which is the Alternative Violence Project, which is now global. It's a global pro- uh, a project. Became a facilitator. Um, wow. And we did, you know, we would do three-day workshops and did that for many years and just did it, you know, everything possible I could because, uh, you know, I realized from day one, you know, that this, you know, if, 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 if this doesn't change your life, then nothing will. Yeah, let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. So you, it seems I just want to call out, I mean, what I'm feeling from you is just like very early on. It was like, it was a wake up call. Is that true? Like this happened and even before the arrest, was it kind of like, like it was like, wow. I'm, I'm in, t- I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. That um, assessment is so right on point because I've been asked that so many times, exact same question that a lot of people would say, you know, this, I'm getting a, you know, a gut feeling, you know, you, you trust in your instincts, you know, that just, just, this isn't right. And you, you, you would think, right. Rationally, any person would say that because there was no reason for me to be there. I had no, no connection to anything. I was just, I was running around with this with the guy that was the shooter and my one of my among many other faults you know like i said i sh- uh, should have been a geologist you know because i have so many faults and is that you're human like i the was loyal us, yeah. to so many people that i should not have been loyal oh, to. okay yeah and that was that's one of those and that's that's also one of my positive attributes is that my best you if you ask one of my best friends to pick pick the guy who's gonna who they want in a foxhole with them they'll all point at me. But on the flip side, you bring that loyalty to people who don't deserve it. Yeah. And that's, and then you add in obviously the, you know, insidious, you know, uh, the drug use where, you know, there's sometimes where, you know, I'd be up for six, seven days at a time where you're, you know, you're not even in this world at that time, you know, try and try and do sleep, just sleep deprivation without any, you know, uh, substances and you're, and you're, you're, you start to lose it. And in that, you know, you're hallucinating, you know, you start to see things, you know, your mind just is not clear. You know, so when someone says, hey, I want you to come to New York and watch my back, I'm going to shoot somebody, you know, all rationales out the window. You're like, let's go, you know, let's go. You know, I got your back, whatever you're going to do. And that's, you know, kind of, that's the only way I can explain it. But you, like you said, you're right on point. You know, what, what, you know, what same person would say, would say yes to that. 
and there's the answer not not sane you, you know you're not in a sane mind and uh and that's also one of the hardest things because once you become clean and sober and it takes time and you're you start to get your the old self back you know all these things that happen in your life and you look back and you just you're just in a constant you know amazement that you know how how did why why did this happen why was why did i do that you know from anything you know why was i sitting in a nightclub at five o'clock in the morning when i should have been you know home with my friends and family you know i, I used to have one of my best friends and i'd call him great guy you know never you know maybe had would drink a little bit never touched drugs in his entire life and he'd say hey and i'd ask him hey what are you doing tonight he'd say yeah, you know i'm having a little barbecue with some friends at the house and i'd look at him and go you know you're lame you know let's go to a nightclub you know let's go party you know and he, you know and it's just now you look back and who's right and who's wrong you know he's right you know he's, he's home in his backyard having a cookout with good friends you know i'm in a nightclub with people that couldn't care less if i was dead or alive and uh, so those you know that's that's the thing that you can't get back is time yeah you know obviously which i gave you know so much time away from from you know my life and my friends and family and what you do to your family you know once you're incarcerated you know i can take it you know i can take the pain myself you know you can beat me over the head all day long and i can take it but it's what you know what you put your family and friends through that's the part that you're just you know you're devastated by you know because they're 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 with it you know they go through it with it every day you know uh, you know sometimes even more you know seeing your mother you know you know coming to visit you and you know while you're incarcerated is, is heartbreaking so yeah what i feel even from this conversation is like that that deep desire to have connection like we all have that human need of connection and deep connection with people but like i guess the word comes to mind is fellowship but like just having good conversations with people and so we we're going to find some way to try to make that happen whatever thoughts that we have about that especially i mean i've we we've talked about it many times on the podcast about just what happens with what we observe prior to seven how everything's our fault up to that point somewhere in that age group and then we've come up with our by 12 we've come up with our the way we're going to proceed to get connection to get approval to get people's acceptance and um that's what i'm hearing from you and then that was kind of like set an autopilot at that point and then when you got into college it was like well i that other the other side of my life like the part that would go get a job and get all of that it's it's just not giving me that feedback that i'm looking at and so so after you you've pleaded guilty you've started that process of well, take us from the point of time where you realized just I'm done. Yeah, well, actually, it's it's because, you know, I, I was arrested almost a year and a half later after the incident took place. I actually, you know, it took place in another state. I returned to Miami or, or sorry, I was living in Palm Beach County at the time. And believe it or not, if it's even possible, my drug use escalated even from I mean, I didn't even think there was any room for it to escalate, but it escalated. And I think subconsciously, subconsciously, I knew, you know, what had happened. So I was almost like on a just on a, on a mission to, in my mind, what I call it is, is is to basically kill myself. You know, not not ever saying that out loud, but I was just, you know, using drugs that would, in, in most instances, you know, kill you. And at that time, there was no fentanyl. So if there was fentanyl at that time, you know, there's no way I'd be alive today. You know, absolutely not, you know, because that fentanyl now is in everything. 
you know, they're, they're mixing fentanyl and, you know, and, and completely, I mean, drugs that don't even, they're completely two different opposites. I mean, they're putting fentanyl and cocaine, you know, which they're two, you know, two completely different opposite drugs. So, um, so like I said, I was, you know, there was a year and a half gap. So I, you know, my drug use continued, continued until eventually I ended up overdosing and was a respiratory failure found on the side of the road beside my truck, taken to the hospital. I spent 10 days in the hospital. And from there, I went right to treatment. And that's the point where I find, you know, I woke up, you know, in that I woke up in the intensive care unit with, you know, the tubes down, you know, getting ready, trying to yank, yank, yank the breathing apparatus down that was, you know, down my throat, trying to, you know, and get out of there. Finally, you know, was, was sedated again, woke up in my, you know, in, in the room and just, I was done. You know, I knew I was done. And, that, and, and you know, thankfully, like I said, thankfully for me, that was the last time I, I've ever used drugs. So I was able, and that's one of the things that I credit to my sobriety, I was able to get sober before I was incarcerated. So I had had about five months of sobriety prior to my incarceration. So I was able to, you know, I started working the steps. I got a sponsor. I was going to meetings every night. And I was doing everything that you were supposed to do. And I think that played a huge, you know, like I said, a huge role in me because once you're incarcerated, you know, you, I was, everybody's probably seen movies, but it, it is, that's one part of it. It is true. You know, there are as much drugs in prison as there are in the street. You know? So you can remember the first week I was there, someone offered me heroin, you know, and he said, it, he, and he used a, a prison slang that I didn't even know. And I remember I looked at him like, what's that? You know, and he's, you know. That, you know, that response was not the response he was looking for that I didn't even know the slang word, you know, so he's like, all right, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm leaving you alone, you know, and that, you know, like I said, that, that, that I think, you know, I, I knew at that point that, if, you know, if I started using in there, that I would never come home, you know, that would just, you know, I'd never get out of there. I'd be in there for the rest of my life. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So and you then, had a little bit of time to process and then. Prior to, I, that was huge. Yeah. I think that was huge for me. Yeah. You know, and then it obviously like you, you're, you're sitting alone in a cell is when you start to do all the internal stuff and just, you know, it's a constant state of, of, you know, just trying to gain insight, you know, insight into to everything, you know, insight into why this and why that and, and, uh, and try and, you know, try and be the, and, 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 and you know, you, 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 and the, that's the hardest part too, is when you know, when you've got a conscious and when you have, you know, you, you know that you've got a soul and you're not, this 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 person that, that doesn't have any feelings that makes it even worse, you know, because you know you're not that person, you know. And, and, and there are a lot of people, obviously, that, that have made horrific choices in their life, and you know, are not bad people, you know. But you know, so you you, you still have to pay your you know, pay your price for that. That's you know, that's the devastating part. And, you know, it's different when you don't if you're remorseless enough, you, you don't care about anything, you know. And that's you know, you're you're in a whole other category. You know, but when when you do care and you do have remorse, yeah, then it's you know it's it's tough to live with. It's it's tough to live with today. You know, people talk about forgiving yourself, and you know that's I, I still struggle with that. You know, people have told me that a million times. You got to forgive yourself. Yeah, and I say no, no, I don't. You know, no, I don't. So well, that's, okay, that's, that's so hard, you know? um, so I know you're a coach, Scott. We'll get into that. Yeah, but I just I got I'm gonna play coach here for a little bit because I agree with everyone that's told you that. And then I'll, I'll, I'm going to talk to you this a little bit. What I feel from Scott, and I, I hopefully you as the the listener feel from him, is a, a man who has owned what happened. And Scott, 
I know that this has been a long time ago, but still you a hundred percent own what happened and you put it on your shoulders and you take it on and you're like, I, I made a mistake. And you know, all of us that do something that's, I, I mean, I've hurt my close family members and with my addiction and I had not near as close a connections to people as an addict as just like everyone else, you know? And, and, so let's say that we did the worst thing possible that we could ever envision that we did in our life. You know, that we could say that, well, that would drive me to be a better person. But technically, you, the way you are right now, is the way you always were destined to be. Like, you are a person that feels deeply for other people. That's the way you were before all this happened, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I just feel like yeah. that's you. Like, you feel things very deeply. That's part of the reason why I think we struggle with addiction is we're feeling things very deeply. So when you get feedback that doesn't align with what, like someone that's against us or where we don't get a connection, then that's where we come up with these alternative ways of trying to connect because we're feeling things very deeply. Discipline, for example, for someone that is feeling things deeply might be hard to deal with, right? And then that creates anger and Right. And so all these emotions are coming. So I guess that's what I feel from you is just someone that really cares. I know that that's partially due to the work you've done. Yeah. But... And it's also, too, that's, you know, that's, the, and, and, you know, c coming home and, and even, you know, obviously even during my incarceration, you know, the people that, that have known me my entire life, you know, they knew that that, you know, wasn't yes. me. Yes. And the people, you know, people that I've seen that, you know, that I've, that I'm friends with, but you know, it wasn't on a, on a, you know, and when they heard the story, just, they're like, you know, it just didn't equate, you know, they remember in the Scott when he was a little kid, the, you know, the nice kid that the soccer player and the baseball player, the kid who was, you know, never a jerk and never mean to people. And they're like, it just, it didn't add up. And then obviously the people that were, you know, super close to me, my friends and family, you know, they never no not one person in my life ever, ever gave up on me. Yeah, and, that's wonderful. You know, they would come, you know, like I said, I was incarcerated in, in another, stiff, you know, in, in New York State, you know, and I, I'm from Florida. My friend, you know, my, my sister lived in California. She used to fly from California to come visit. You know, my friends would, my friend, you know, my good buddies would fly from, you know, from Miami to New York, you know, and then, and then on top of being in New York, you're still three or four hours from the city. You're up in the mountains, you know, to get up there in the middle of winter. You know, they'd come drive, you know, the, you know, my, my family was also from Massachusetts. They drive six hours to come see me. And, you know, but also too, on the flips, you know, the, the love, you know, obviously the love that they were able to, but then also the guilt that you feel that you're making your family, you know, travel and to do all these things. But, you know, that having that, you know, that's another, another thing that keeps people going in there is when you have that support system, yeah. you know, the people that know who you are and know your, know your heart and, uh, and give you another chance, you know. I don't, I don't know if they're gonna, they'll give me a third or fourth chance, you know. But everyone has given me a second chance, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, I thank the Lord every day for that. That, 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 that you know, that people, you know, are are able to open their hearts to me and give me a second chance. Like I said, third or fourth, you know, I want, I wouldn't even ask for a third or fourth chance, but a second, you know, give me a second and let me and let me prove myself. And, uh, and so far, I've been able to to do that. So, yeah, I, and, and I just want to say again, I, I just feel like that's an evidence, like, yeah, it's an evidence of their love for you, right? 
but it's also an evidence of who you are. Like, and I, I work with a lot of people and you're, yeah, you're, you're just a special person. Yeah. You're, no, no. I, I, again, like I said, I you know, really care about ways. people. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. And it goes both ways, you know, to have, you know, to, to, to have great people in your life. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, that's, you know, my, my grandfather used to say, if you can, if you've got, you know, a handful, five people in your life, you know, you, you're, you're, you're lucky. You know, and then, you know, God, you know, if you got 10, 15, 20, then you're, you're blessed beyond, you know, beyond belief, you know, so, um, yeah, you know, cool. I'm fortunate to, to have a few, you know, so, and that, and also too, that stems back to that little place, you know, where we, you know, like I said, the place where I grew up is a very strange, you know, a little, a little tiny town, you know, to, to, be, to be still close with kids that you've known since, you know, I, I'm still, you know, one of my best friends that I, him and his wife, you know, they, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually, you know, they're, they're two of my clients now. You know, I've known him since I was four years old. You know, he lived, grew up right across the street from me, you know, so it's my oldest friend, you know, it's to, to be able to sit there and see him on a, on a week, you know, three times a week is, is a blessing, you know, is a blessing. You know, um, you know I'm fortunate, I'm fortunate to be alive. That's for sure. You know, I'm 52 years old now. I'm in the, I'm in the best shape of my life. You know, I feel, you know, physically, I feel like I'm 25, you know, so, so I, I can't complain. You know, I, I made, you know, like I said, horrific decisions and, and choices. And, you know, what, what can you do except for, you know, move forward and, and try and pay it forward. And that's what I do with my training, you know, the personal training, you know, it's, that's what, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to, to get people is in the best shape of their lives and keep them going forward too. And that's what I preach, you know, especially people, you know, I'm 52 that you can still still be in great shape at 52 and at 62 and at 72, you know, it's, it is possible. And that's the same with recovery. I was just literally probably five minutes before I logged on to you. I was, I'm texting with a gentleman who's in treat. He's in treatment right now. And I may work with him when he comes out. And I just, that was just the last little thing that I texted him. I said, Hey man, you know, to, you know, you, and it's a little bit of a cliche, and, and some of the cliches in, in recovery are, are pretty darn good. You know, maybe that you know that uh, you know progress, not perfection. That's one that I use all the time, and it's 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 it's, it's a truth. You know, you know, as long as you're making progress, we don't you know you, know, you just keep, you know make make us make a step progress every day. You don't need to make twenty steps. You made one, and that's what I do every you know every day. Hey, you know, was was today a win? Then, then I'm okay. You know, I, did I go backwards or did I go forwards today? But just the last little thing I texted him, I just said, Hey man, recovery is possible. You know, it's there if you want it, if you want it, it's there, you know, cause when you're in your, in your deep in your addiction, that's the last thing you think is possible. You think there's absolutely no way I can ever stop this. There's no, and, and that's, that's part of that thinking that you look back on and you're like, you know, of course you can. But when you're in the midst of it and you're hardcore using drugs every day, you think this is it. I'm either going to do this for the rest of my life or I'm going to die or it's just I'm never, ever going to get better. But it's, you know, it, it's there if you want it. You know? so, so that's what I just texted him. He said, he goes, and his little response was, he's, he goes, I'm in treatment. I'm on it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, God bless him. Hopefully, you know, he'll, he'll come out and we'll speak. You know? Great. Yeah. So I want to go back to um, uh, you mentioned in the in the process uh, you're giving a lot of credit to god what what would you say that really made a difference spiritually for you in that healing process yeah that's a good question because you know i grew up you know come from an irish catholic family from you know massachusetts um but you know the church was never a big part you know of my life you know i was 
you know, uh, had my first communion here, was confirmed at age 13. And the only time, you know, I would go to church would be in the summer times with my grandfather. We'd go to church on Sundays. He was a doctor and uh, he was an amazing guy. He's uh, one of those guys here, you know, uh, uh, just, a, you know, he was a World War II doc. He was part of the first mass unit on, uh, on D-Day. After, after the invasion of D-Day, you know, the mass unit came in, obviously, after, after the fact. And uh, he was a guy who was a, a neurosurgeon and, and practiced. He was literally, he was seeing patients until he was 89. You know, not as a neurosurgeon. He had, you know, retired into general practice. But uh, just one of those old-time, small-town docs. And, uh, you know, the fishermen would come in and pay him in lobsters, you know, sometime. This is up in Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, just an amazing, I, I, amazing I'm starting guy, to you know. see. I'm starting yeah. to see why you're so special. So you had some pretty neat people putting things into you young. He was yeah. one of those guys, you know, and, and, you know, he, you know, he passed away while I was incarcerated, you know, so I obviously, you know, he would write me, you know, you, you know, at the end of his life, actually, he wouldn't even write. He would have my aunt write, you know, because he was you know sick at the end. And, uh, you know, he'd write me letters while I was incarcerated and, and say, you know, just kind of giving me, hey, you know, don't give up. And this was even in the beginning of my incarceration where you think, you know, you got a chance, you know, I had to go to the parole board, you know, but my sentence was 18 years to life, you know, so I, I you know, they could have held me you know, for life. Oh, wow. And there was, you know, so you have to go to the parole board and the parole board could either say yes or no, come back in two years. And there was many a man who would go and came back, come back two years later, say no, again, you know, and eventually, you know, their sentence was 15 years, but they did another 15 from, you know, parole decisions. So I'm guessing that board has a pretty good idea of whether you're telling the truth. Yeah, they've, they've seen it all, right. You've got to be, and, and you prepare for it. You know, you've got to go in there and be like, that's perfect. You go in there, you know, where you're slinging some, some BS, you know, you're done. You've got to go in there and, and, and be as, you know, transparent as possible. And, and, and you know, it's all, and, and that's, you know, like I said, they're, that they're, they're seeing that all day long. They know, you know, they know if you're, you know, they know if you're, you're full of BS. Yeah. So you, you know, and, and that's, you know, you, you've got, and that's part of the insight. You know, you've got to have insight into your life. Um, so in the, in this, sorry, in the, we go all down these little tangents. Yeah, I went off on a little bit of tangent there. That's you fine. Know, that's fine. Yeah. So like inside, like today, I know that in prisons, they have some pretty good recovery programs, not necessarily always about oh, drugs, but like yeah. even like really helping you work through addiction issues. Um, uh, childhood issues. Uh, I've seen some of that stuff and I know it's really good. When you were in, was there anything like that? There, there, there was, there, you know, that's, that's a great, there's a, a lot of good groups in prison and they kind of ebb and flow. You know, I was part of AA, NA. Obviously there's, you know, many, many religious groups in prison because you've got, you know, Native American groups. I mean, you know, you know, every, you know, you've got, you know, obviously Christian, you know, Catholic, you've got, you know, uh, you know, Jewish, Muslim, the Muslim community obviously is very big in prison. So you've got, you know, very uh, tremendous amount of religious uh, groups, um, spiritual different groups. Um, and then there are also, you know, addiction groups as well. There's some mandatory stuff that you have to take, which a lot of people, you know, resist that. But then there are some voluntary stuff. And that's the stuff that, that you want to be involved in, the stuff where you're making the decision, not, not something you're being forced to. So those are the groups that were a lot better groups that were, you know, you're volunteering, you're putting work in, which was the AVP group I talked about. Another group's called Network, which is basically just, you know, guys supporting each other and trying to and trying to create plans for post-incarceration. 
you know, because that's one of the things that they want to see. What are you going to do when you when you leave here? You know, you've got to have at least some type of plan. You can't just walk in there and say, what are you going to do? Eh, something will pop up. No, you've got to be, you know, this is what I'm focused on. This is what I'm interested in. You know, I, I took these courses. You know, I became an electrician and, you know, that type of thing. But as far as, you know, my spirituality, that's something I worked on, too. Um, just knowing that, you know, there's got to be another reason for this. You know, I, I wasn't met. This wasn't all this wasn't supposed to happen for, for, for you know, for not me to, to, to get this message out there and to pass it along. And, and you know, and, and that's and that all goes up to, you know, to, 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 you know, to, to have higher power. Um, and now it's also to become, you know, I'd be getting involved in yoga and the mindfulness and the spirituality and just encompass, you know, encompassing all that together, you know, because it's, you know, I still battle with myself. You know, I still have, yeah, demons. Uh, yeah, yeah, I still we have demons. We don't you know, get I, over an addiction and no, then be like, it, it oh, doesn't we're perfect. Stop, you know, <laughs> it, you know, not, you know, absolutely. You know, there's just, I still have very dark days, you know, where I, you know, I wake up and like, you know, I'm 52, you know, I look out the window and I live, you know, where I live in Miami is a different place. Miami is in a world of its own, you know, you walk outside and, you know, you, you know, the, the, the wealth in this town is incredible. You know, I was driving the other day, I'm, the guy in front of me is driving an Aston Martin, you know, the car's $250,000, you know, <laughs> he's driving around in a, in a, you know, in a, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm thankful for everything I have, you know, I was able to get my first apartment. You know, I live in a, you know, if, if you saw, where I live in a place called Coconut Grove, which is, you know, I literally can walk five minutes from my apartment. I'm, I'm at the marina and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I take my walks in the morning. The sun's coming up over the boats and Wonderful. it's, and I look back two and a half years ago, I was sitting in a cell in, in October without the heat on right before I was released. And it was so cold. My teeth were, you know, I couldn't even, you know, I walked out, the day I left, my mother and my sister picked me up. And they said the first hug, they, they felt me, they, they, I was so cold. They said, you're freezing. They said, you felt like, a, you know, you're, you're so cold. I said, because they hadn't turned the heat on. This is what they do in there. They have set dates when they turn the heat on, whether the temperature, you know, they're supposed to turn on even though the temperature drops, but they don't. You know, so you're sitting in your cell and, you know, you're just, I mean, there's nothing you can do. You're just frozen. So, you know, I wake up every day and I'm in, you know, I'm in a paradise. You know, and obviously, but there's still days where I wake up and, you know, I'm 20 years behind everybody, you know, financially, you know, you know, everything, you know, relationship wise, you know, I'm not married, you know, I don't have any children. You know, people ask me all the time, you don't have any kids. I'm like, I don't have any kids. And, you know, well, why? Well, you know, because, you know, what's the reason? You know, well, I don't have any kids. You know, I missed 20 years, you know. So, you know, there's so many things that you want to hurry up and make up for, but you can't do it like that. It's you just have to put the work in and whatever's going to come is going to come. You know? you know, obviously I want to be married and, you know, if a child comes along, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's, that would be, you know, that's, I'm not even thinking about that, but, um, oh, you would be you a good, want, you'd be a great you father. To, you know, and of course you want, you know, you want more money, you know, obviously we have to pay our bills. It's very, in Miami is a, <laughs> one of the most, you know, it's super expensive. The rents have gone up dramatically, but again, that's all, you know, the way I look at it is if I'm putting in the good work, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, paying it forward, you know, and, and doing everything right, you know, and, and living with my heart that, you know, that, that, that you know, that, that the things will be provided. I'll be able to pay my bills and help people as well. You know, and that's the, you know, that's the goal. You know, if I can say, you know, my whole goal is if there's one person that doesn't have to go through what I went through or what I did to myself, put it, let's put it that way. 
because everything I did is self-inflicted, then it's all, it was all worth it. You know, I'd do another, I'd do another 20 years if someone else did, you know, that's, you know, some 16 year old kid didn't have to, you know, do what I did. And, and another 32 year old man didn't have to lose his life, you know, you know, cause that obviously that family is devastated. You know, their son will never come home. Their brother will never come home, you know, and he's, so that's that's you know that's it you know so you're you're a poster child of exactly what we do on this on this uh, podcast. I I really have appreciated your depth, um, and there's a there's a difference when you've really done the work, and when you um, I can tell just how authentic you are, and I I appreciate that very much, Scott. Uh, let's talk a little. Well, I want to mention one more thing. And this is more for the podcast, but just uh, it's something that someone gave me. And Scott, you already know all this. I'm not, so I'm not picking on you, but like uh, this whole idea of forgiving ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's huge. Um, the reason we forgive ourselves is because if we don't forgive ourselves, then we're not forgiven. Mm-hmm. So even as tough as it is sometimes to forgive ourselves, and we're sitting in that place and understanding how much we've hurt someone that is part of the process and that does not feel good but to really just forgive ourselves as many times as we need to because that it does a couple things first of all it allows us to be forgiven so we're free from what we did even i mean not the effects of all of it and yes we have to work through it but at least we're free in the eyes of god the other thing is in in jesus because he's the one that's making us free then the other thing is that love is flowing in through us continually. And when we're not forgiving ourselves, then we're stopping that flow. You know, we're not allowing that to come through us. And and it starts to cause pain in the body or whatever, you know. So, yeah, just um, I think it's a good thing for all of us to really think about and, and to just be gentle with ourselves, understanding that we're also a human, that we're, we're not... And that we have a gift, and especially you, Scott, like your gift of it's this has become your superpower, you know, reaching out to people that are that you're making an influence, working one on one. And uh, I want you to share, if you would, your website, because I mean, the power that is your message on your website is very powerful. Yeah, and no, I appreciate that, and, and, and you're you're 100 right too. And that's still I'm still a work in progress, and it's still it, it, I, I know I'll get there at some point. And it's still, like I said, we're, we're always a work in progress. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, not trying to say that after we forgive no, no, ourselves. No, no, I appreciate I, you, your words are are right on point. You're 100 percent correct. You know, and and and, that, and that's that's good for me to hear because I I haven't had this discussion in quite a while actually. So that's that's a good discussion. That's a discussion I need to have more often. So I appreciate yeah, just that. you know, like like the gift that we have. Um, I understand. I mean, it's 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 tough. It's, I don't understand. Okay, first yeah. of all, I haven't walked in your shoes, so I don't yeah. understand. No, no, but yeah, no, like sure. no it's matter. Really hard to understand. Trust me. Yeah, no, no, I know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at least like like in my case, I was hurting my wife a lot, but we're still together, you know. So we get to benefit the 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 benefit of us being present for each other is big. Um, so I I know you're at a different level, and I know I can tell you're you're feeling things very deeply, but you know, just just for all of us to really allow the love that comes through us to go back out, you know, and I, I feel that from you. So I know you've already done this too, to a certain extent. It might just be 
re-acknowledging it. Okay, I allow myself to, you know. Yeah, no, to, like I said, I ha- this is a conversation that I needed to have because I have not had, you know, and, and that's something that I, I, I appreciate this tremendously because that's something that I need to, uh, to, to, to get back on top of. Um, but my website is S- spcoachingmiami.com. And my Instagram is where my personal training is. And that's Instagram, the same thing, SP Coaching Miami. I'm on Instagram and, and, and my website. Yeah, no, I appreciate the website. That was, that was where I had a cousin of mine that, that worked on that with me as well. And, and that's basically it. I'm here, you know, like I said, in, in any way possible. You know, I, 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 you know, we could speak on the phone. You know, I've spoken with many, with parents and, and you know, about that 17 or 18 year old kid. And, and uh, because that's, that you know that that's where I you know that's that that turning point you know where things can really go go south quickly, and and you and and things can you know, and and, you, and, it, and and like I said, ten years can go by. And um, as another gentleman, like I said, his that I work with too, his they're a couple hours away, so I haven't been able to see him in person. That's that's the next goal. You know, his son now is 22, and he's you know struggling, and and that's one of the things we talk about. He's not 16. You know, he's 22 now. It's, you know, there's, it's, it's, the, the consequences are dramatically increased now. Um, but he's home now. He's, he's, he's not, you know, he's, he's been released and, and, and things are getting better at home. So, you know, we're kind of, we're hoping for a positive outcome there. So great. And then my training, I, you know, that's, that's my, that's my life, my lifeblood as well. You know, I'm able to, you know, to train. I have tremendous, I got great clients. That are that are all you know looking to, to, to better themselves and, and that's the best you know to be able to to go out and push somebody and then the best is to see somebody that that wants it just as much you know these you know I, I have a few women that I train that are in the you know late late 40s early 50s and you know and they're and they're out there you know three times a week you know 7:30 in the morning you know and then have to you know rush home get ready you know and then go put in a full day at work you know but they're out there killing it you know in the morning and uh, it's great you know it's great to be that's just a whole nother side that's amazing too, you know, to, to be part of that. Someone's, and it's also too, it's, it's, you know, you're working on everything too. It's not just the body, it's the mind as well, you know, to, to keep that strong mind. Cause that old saying is true, you know, a, a strong body, you know, is, you know, and a strong mind, you know, go together. Yeah, absolutely. So do you, do you do any remote, um, like, work with people training work or inspiration or that's that's something that i'm trying to increase because that has become you know obviously a whole nother aspect of the industry you know obviously one-on-one but the problem with one-on-one is you can only be in one place at one time yeah yeah so doing the remote work you know is that something that's that i'm trying to build up you know because that's the only downside of being a trainer you know, unless, you know, even, even though even if you're located at a gym, you know, people are coming to you still though, you can only, you know, there's the, the group fitness concept has grown a lot, you know, where you're training, you're having a big boot camp, but then too, then you lose the individual individuality with that as well. But the online stuff, yes, I'm definitely trying to increase that, but I like still the face to face, you know, I like being there and, and just, you know, uh, you know, motivating, you know, right, right, you know, right, right in front of them and, uh, and seeing them. Because it, it motivates me, and uh, you know, seeing you know their work, you know, because I everybody could use because you use a, a a push, you know, even even the you know the the elite athlete that's you know you, you know because motivation only gets so far, you know. I, this is a great podcast that I was actually listening to, 
And, you know, the guy said, hey, motivation will get you here. It's dedication that gets you to the next level. You know, you've got to be dedicated. Motivation will get you started, but it's, you know, but what's going to get you up at six in the morning to go, you know, do an hour workout in the sun, you know, when all the sun starts coming up, even it's hot in Miami at seven, seven o'clock, um, to, uh, you know, to keep, keep continuing, you know, continuing your, your training. And that's the one, that's the, everyone wants to know the secret of training. The secret of training is just consistency. It's just getting up and doing it. That's the secret. You know, there's no magic. Uh, it's just, that's it. It could, Every workout book could be one one page of one word, consistency. You know, as long as you're consistent in that, and that translates to everything else in our lives too. You know, consistent with with everything. You know, consistent with our recovery, consistent with our faith, with our spirituality, with our family, with our friends. You know, it's it's that. You know, putting that putting that consistent work in, and uh, and then hopefully you know we're doing that, and good you know good results come. Well, thank you very much, Scott, for the for the time. I I feel uh, just so enlightened and so um, happy after talking to you. I know it's a, it's a tough conversation, but like these are the these are the type of connections that we can have uh, is people like Scott when when we're just really connecting with people and when we're we want to meet people that have been through things and that have overcome them and that turn their struggle into their superpower and he's scott is a great example of that and i i know you're already doing great things scott but uh i could see just how much more you're going to enjoy everything that's coming your way yeah no good more more good things to come you know that's the way uh, that's the way we got to think you know it's you know every day is you know a new day and and uh you know i don't make plans really long-term plans you know i take it day by day and and that's, you know, the way I look at it, as long as it's, you know, today was a good day, we did something good for the day, then, then uh, you know, good things are going to come. And that's the way I got to keep myself, to keep keep myself positive because, you know, I still, you know, definitely there's days where I get down on myself and, and I need to, I need to, I need to train myself, you know, I need to be the, the trainer for, and, and my own recovery coach. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and all of us, you know, we, we, we need to support each other too. So absolutely. All right. Well, thank you again. And, uh, we will Kevin, I appreciate we'll it, be man. in touch. This yeah, great. absolutely. This was great, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in and to stay in touch, email us at info at business addicts, podcast.com.